You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are delighted that you are here. I am not in New Jersey. I am in Chicago in a hotel at the Midwinter Conference, which is my denomination's annual pastor. Also, you are so, so holding, I'm in the Midwest. You're holding your microphone like the way like Elvis <laughs> used to like hold it. Like you're no, just no, like, so you did this one time too because you're, you're stand. It's because so I can't bring a stand. I can't bring a stand on. on I just want everybody. I just want all our listeners to know how dedicated PV is to our <laughs> podcast. I told yes. him we could take a couple of weeks off. I told him that our Mm-mm. listeners won't be that upset. And he he has a lot more faith in, yes. you know, the devotion of our listeners. He was like, absolutely not. I'm taking my microphone in my I'm bag. taking my microphone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, people do this all the time. So that's the oh, great gosh. thing about doing this. But, you know, Sue, I'm I'm not too far from you, I think, right? I mean, how many hours would six I be? Six hours. Five and a oh, half hours. Oh, that's far. Oh, no, that's yeah. hell no. No, that's it's like, not that far. That's six hours. Five and, and a half, that's, half hour drive. It's like from New Jersey to like North Carolina, you know, a little no, less. North Carolina it, is seven and a half. Or uh, Virginia, like Virginia, middle of Virginia. I mean, that's 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 far. That's far. So I anyway. guess because okay. I'm Midwestern I, now, my con- like my concept of time driving is a lot like more fluid like i would drive like i five and a half hours seems to me doable oh my know? gosh i don't know but seven you said six hours six five hours? and a half hours yeah five, oh, five and, a half and a half hours half. yeah okay yeah no but uh i'm in the midwest and the chicago and the weather here in chicago your hotel room looks really ritzy yo it's the hyatt it's really it's really really ritzy. nice it's super nice i really wow. like it yeah i'm here so i'm, I'm, I'm living the life living way. the dream you know, uh, trying to, trying to, but uh, it's not, you know, sometimes like as an introvert, you come in these things, they're great because you get to meet a lot of people, but then you just get so drained. Wait, after how many a while. days are you? Are you? Um, I got in, I got in on Monday and uh, I, I'm actually going to stay the weekend and I'm going to. Oh, you're I'm staying speaking. the whole week. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm speaking at a, at a church in Chicago. Oh, wow. And so um, I'm going to be staying till Sunday. So oh, wow. yeah, it's going to be a little, a little bit of a journey here in, in the, in the Midwest. So anyway. But yeah, so so I have a question that I'm going to open up in. Okay. It's going to be a very light, light okay. question. I won't, won't go too deep into this. All right. So but th- good. I want you to answer this question. What is a movie you recently saw that literally just like blew you away that you want every pe- like you want people to know about this movie and like, hey, you should go watch it. You know, maybe it's not like one of those Marvel movies and things like that. So, you know, maybe they didn't get enough hype or whatever, but or press. But you're like, this movie was so good. You should go watch it. What is that? Any movie? I think you should go first. Okay. I have the movie. Okay. I have the movie. That's I'm why so you're blown asking. away by this yes. movie. Okay. I got to say, and you know, I have I have been known to exaggerate a little bit. A little um, bit. But, uh, but <laughs> just probably, a little tiny Yeah, just bit. a little bit. I have, yeah. I have been, you know, known to embellish things a little bit more. Just a little bit. Uh, than the average person. But I was in California uh, about a couple of weeks ago and my one of my closest friends, we spent, you know, a couple, we spent a day together and stuff. And he was just like, hey, man, listen, I'm a I'm a big Godzilla fan. Could we go watch Godzilla minus one? What and I'm just like, what? I was like, Godzilla minus one. You didn't even know there that? was a like, new Godzilla movie. So, Sua, it's a Japanese movie. It's not an American. It's a oh, Japanese okay. movie. And uh, and he's like, you know, I'm just a huge Godzilla fan. I would love to go watch it. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, like it's gonna be good. That's but so okay. I was like, you know like, what? I'm just a huge You're Godzilla boy. fan. I was okay. like, you are my boy. Okay. So I will go watch Godzilla minus one because it was. I I I was there also. It was like, and it was in the movie theaters. Like, 
It was in the movie theaters. Oh, it's in the movie. Like a Japanese a movie in the theaters. A 98 on Rotten Tomato. Mm. That's how good this movie, like okay. in terms of the critics and stuff. Okay. And it's all Japanese. It's, in, it's subtitled, you know, and stuff like that. I got to tell you, Sua, I've seen a lot of movies in my lifetime. This is one of the best movies I've seen. Stop. It was, Stop. Sua, it. it was so no. good. If you don't believe me, talk to my good buddy, Steve Bang, our good buddy, Steve Bang. He went to go watch it and he texted me. He, like, but did he watch Excellent. it on your recommendation? Uh, well, no, but Steve, because he's kind of he knows everything about pop culture, all about the movies. He heard about it, so oh, he okay. wanted to go okay. watch it. Okay, but I did tell him I was like, Steve, go watch it before because it, it's out of the theaters, I think now. And he saw it and he said it was amazing. So really? I would say this is how good it was. All right, now for those who are listening to this, you might be incredibly offended. It was better than Endgame, Avengers Endgame. I mean, it was it was just. It was so good. It was Are you so good. Okay, but hold, hold on. It was so good. But I guess the, my question is, it's because Avengers Endgame, I feel like, is an unfair comparison because there's such high expectations for any Avengers movie, especially if it's going to be Endgame. Whereas like Godzilla Minus One, you literally went into this theater with zero expectations. Zero expectations. And I feel like that kind of colors the way... You view I, a movie. Thought was, I thought it was gonna be a bad movie. Actually, that's <laughs> what like, I'm saying. That's movie. what I'm saying. And so, if you go into it with very like with blind expectations, then I feel like you know what? This is kind. I'm sorry. This is a little bit on tangent, but this reminds me of something I listened to recently about how we used to live life before the internet and how if you wanted to try out a restaurant, you had to just go and try it versus mm -hmm. now everybody, nobody, when is the last time you either watched other than this Godzilla movie, you watched a movie or ate at a restaurant or stayed at a hotel where you had not pre-researched on the internet. Yeah, pre-yelped it, reviews. right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like and don't you think that's interesting to think about how this is coloring our entire experience, knowing like kind of going into situations yeah. kind of vetted yeah. already and expecting certain things. I feel like Godzilla minus one, you, if, if you had heard this was going to be an amazing movie, do you think you would have been as blown away? I think so. I think really? so. Really? Okay. First of all, all I want to say is this, all right. I apologize for, for anyone who might take this offensively, but Asians are killing movie industry right now why would I mean, people be just, offended by that well if, if, if you're not asian but like we taking over hollywood man we taking over i'm telling you we're not gonna have the most movies out but like the best movies of the year are now like directed and written it's like by asian people it's so good so maybe that's a little bit of that comes out but honestly so the reason why the reason why i think i love this movie <laughs> or i love this movie so much is because the main actor is such a coward and i think i identify with that at such a high level. And that's what it was just, it was so, it was like, it was so powerful. Wait, like, it's the just, main character, so the protagonist, like the hero of the movie is a coward? He's a coward. He's a coward. But is he supposed to be a coward? He, like, I don't, I don't know if he's supposed to be. No, he's not supposed to be a coward. But he is a coward. But how and do you. And that's the problem. I don't want to ruin the movie for huh, people. Okay. All, All right. right. So let All me right. just give you, the, this okay. is not much. Okay. Right? This is okay. just the beginning of the movie. All right. All right. A, so the movie takes place in 1945. All right. Okay. He's he's a kamikaze pilot. Oh. But he was too much of a coward to sacrifice to do the his kamikaze. Life. Yeah. So he pretended that there was an engine problem in his airplane. Oh, interesting. And then he lands at someplace in an obscure part of of you know of, of wherever he was at, and he was supposed to get the you know airplane fixed, and then of course Godzilla shows up, right? And so like you know, and so I'm not gonna ruin it anymore okay. out okay. of that. Okay. But the whole movie, you see like this cowardice, and I don't know what it is, but like. I identify with that in some ways because I felt like 
in my own life, I felt like there were moments where I felt like I was really a coward. Like I never really stuck up for myself in front of like people making fun of me, you know, things like that. So I just, I really identify with this main actor. This is and so it interesting. Just, it was so good. It was such a okay, good Okay, you movie. know what? I'm going to watch it. it. I'll report back. I'll report Sua, back. Sua, watch it and watch it with uh, with John. And you can just like rent it on your cable, whatever. I'm sure they have it on demand. And watch it with him. And I, I think you're going to really enjoy it. I really loved it. My son, my son hates reading. He went to go watch it. And he said it was really good. Are you, are we, hold on. Are you he, saying reading because of the subtitles? Yeah, he hates reading are subtitles. You... He, anything with <laughs> subtitles, he refuses to go. But then he's like, all right, all right Dad, I'll go. He went with oh, his friend. Gosh. And he said, in his words, he said it was bussin'. Bussin'. <laughs> Well, that's high Bussin. praise from yeah, B U S S I N Bussin. It was Bussin. So anyway, see? is he an alpha? Uh, I don't know. It, it it's it, it's a good movie. So my Godzilla minus one. If Godz you were listening, okay. okay, all right, you're welcome. Okay, for that recommendation. I should charge you. You should probably make a donation to the podcast if you really enjoyed it. We but don't even is... we don't even have the ability to take donations. <laughs> we don't have a donation for our podcast. Buttons, sorry. But no. it, is, it, it was just that good of a movie. And I'm, I'm just so proud of our Asian people that are just coming out with these amazing movies. Like, I'm just like, man, like, there's no way. Like, because how many Godzilla movies were there? I mean, it's like that the a U.S. Lot. produced. A lot. And they're bad. Most of them are really bad, right? Godzilla versus King Kong, that kind of stuff. Like, they just don't get it. And it's just like, oh, man, these Japanese writers and directors and Man, it, it was so good. And the movie only cost $17 million to make. And it's a blockbuster. Like yeah, it just it just blew it away. Interesting. Yeah. So it made a lot of money. Okay. Steve, Steve pays attention to this stuff. And he told me that it's like it cost $17 million to make. And the movie was making like like you know, like 17 million every week for like the past like 10 weeks. That's amazing. Like that. Okay. I'll watch yeah. it. I'll bite. Okay. All right. All right. What about you? Me. What about you? Okay, well, for me, it's a little bit difficult because the only movies I watch are PG. Rom-coms? No, oh, like they're PG. Because why? Because my, my kids have to watch them. Like the only time I go to the theater is to watch a movie with my kids. Um, oh, so the last okay, movie, for example, sad. the last movie I watched was Wonka. Um, I had wanted to watch The Boy and the Heron on Geo's recommendation and also because, mm. um, you know, like... Oh, that the, anime movie? Yeah, and the voice yeah, actors yeah. are And I heard amazing. that was very good, too. Yeah. But John was like, I do not want to watch that. He's like, I would rather watch Wonka. So I was like, fine, fine. I will watch the Wayanna Heron by myself. I feel you, John. John, I um, feel you, man. So I fall asleep in every animation movie. Every animation so movie. It's every movie, PP. Don't lie. Every movie but Godzilla <laughs> minus one. So anyway, um, we went to go watch Wonka. But I will tell you, this is not a movie, so I'm cheating a little bit. But I have been completely addicted to a K-drama. And like completely it? addicted. What? It's called okay. The Korean title is Yonin, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of like it translates to like lovers, but it's a much deeper meaning. I I really feel like the English language is, is it on so, Netflix? No, it was on Prime. I think it was on Prime. Amazon Prime. Maybe I watched. You know what? I might have watched it on one of those subscriptions on Prime, so I had to pay. But I got a free subscription for a week, so I was like, I have to binge watch this in a week, so I don't have to pay seven ninety nine. Oh. Um, but the English translation is "My dearest," and it's a historical romance. Um, My dearest, I'm writing this down. I don't think you would like it. Yeah, I don't think you would I do. like. I it. like love stories. I'm really no, but into it's love it's but it's very very history dense. So it takes place during like. Oh, like, like old, old school. Old, they weren't like the yeah, old yeah, yeah. Korean Yeah, that's why I was like, I don't think you're oh. into it. But yeah, I don't know if I, I that. have watched this like three times at this point. No, you did not. Yes, I have. I have no, literally. 
I have not been this, I've not been this immersed in something for so long where literally I was neglecting my duties as like a mother and stay at home. Like person, like I was literally like my kids would come home and I would be like, we're not going to violin today because mommy has to watch this. That, that <laughs> no, was literally no, no, me. That. And there it's was a part of me, Sua. there was a part of me that was like, I need You're this sick. to be over so that I can go back to living my life because I can't go oh on like this. God. But then there was another part of me that's like, I want this to never end. You know what I mean? Um, It was so good. It's so good. My the story dearest? Is, basically, oh my it's gosh. the story of like a man and a woman, obviously, that's typical, but they both start, there's such character development in both of them. And the mm. story kind of starts off with this guy who has decided that he's like, I'm not getting married. Like, I'm not somebody who can be loyal to one person. But as he falls in love with this mm. one woman and all of these horrible things on the backdrop of like, like a war happening and like, you know, famine, like all of these things happening, um, how far will oh, a wow. man go to show like to keep the person that he loves safe you know and vice versa like the woman starts off as this wow. very immature woman who's like she's yeah. a girl and she's basically like all the boys like me i just want all the boys to like me and then as like all of these horrible things are happening in the backdrop she really develops into like a woman um who can take care of herself who can take care of other people who wow you know, so it's it's all about character development. And I feel like that's kind of what I really enjoyed is you see two people completely mature and grow into the best versions of themselves. Um, and obviously the wow. doesn't hurt. There's a shirtless scene. Um, not the woman, the guy. <laughs> There's a shirtless he's jacked. scene. He is like washboard abs like i was like i don't yeah, and, think this and that's not accurate that to Korean. back in those days because yeah, yeah, Korean I was men like, never look like yeah, that. Back I, I, I don't think this was like accurate but listen i'll go with the fantasy i just want to say it was chef's kiss it was so good um my, my kids literally when he was shirtless, were so yes. upset like they were like mommy are, i'm hungry Yo, are we not eating and Sue, there's 21 episodes that's a lot of episodes and i watched the 21 episodes yeah yeah oh, yeah wait, you really watched the three times over well i watched the parts that i like so like I went through it the whole first time and then I went back and rewatched it multiple times, only the parts that I liked. But I kid you not, it was really, I'm not a, per you know what, this feeds perfectly into our topic of the day. I am not a person who gets super immersed in things. Like I have very excellent self-control. Um, if I bake a dozen cookies, I can literally eat one cookie and stop. Um, if I not know me. I need to, like if I'm, if I, whatever I, I am doing M's right now, oh my God. Yeah. Like whatever I'm doing, if I say I'm going to do it, I will do it. I am like a very mm -hmm. willpower, disciplined kind of person. But this was one of those few occasions where I could not control myself. I literally was sitting there on the couch watching this drama on my phone nonstop. I went to bed at two oh, in the yeah. morning and I what? never do that on a weeknight, knowing that wow. I had to wake up at six in the morning because <laughs> I couldn't stop. Oh it was God. so bad. I really suffered. I suffered tremendously, but it was such you good. You think suffering. maybe it was because it had the romance, but also had the education. Because it was like you said, it was dense, like history, and maybe it was just stimulating you in every area. And your nerd was coming out, you know, because like, it, it was things. it was hitting all of the things for me it, simultaneously. <laughs> like I mean, truly, again, I, I really you, hope I I really so hope weird. that um. I really hope that something like this doesn't happen to me in the next like year because I don't think my kids can handle it. Like I don't think my husband can handle it. The trauma okay. <laughs> of like the, the absent yeah, mother yeah. and the absent wife who's like physically present, but wow. she is elsewhere. Like she is in Joseon Dynasty. Like oh, she is man. not here. <laughs> <laughs> Joseon Dynasty, <laughs> you know I love what it. I mean?
Oh my gosh. So if uh, so, if yeah. anyone uh, who is who helped produce Godzilla minus one or my dearest, uh, just please sponsor this podcast because <laughs> we have plugged you guys like none other, and our audience, whoever's listening, might actually go and watch it. So oh, anyway, yeah. Um, all right. So today we want to shift a little bit, but it really does what we just shared kind of lends itself to the topic that we want to talk about today. We want to talk about addiction, addiction, and addiction is a serious problem uh, in this country. And uh, looked at the recent statistics is they say that 40, around 49 million Americans struggle with some form of addiction. That's just the ones that they've been able to like diagnose. But there's a lot more Americans that struggle with addictions that are not coming forward with it. And I guess the definition of addiction, and this is uh, on the Internet, so this is not my definition, but it's a wonderful definition. Addiction is when you have a strong physical or psychological need or urge to do something or use something. It's a dependence on a substance or activity, even if you know that it's, it will cause you harm. It can impact your daily life. I'm going to read that again. An addiction is when you have a strong physical or psychological need or urge to do something or use something. It is a dependence on a substance or activity, even if you know that it causes you to harm. It causes you harm. It can impact your life daily. All right. So addiction. And so uh, I wanted to talk about this because I do feel like a lot of Christians as well, um, not just non-Christians, but a lot of Christians struggle with some form of addictions. And we just need to talk about this. And I have a very addictive personality. So I'm, I'm actually very different from you, Sua. Um, I have an addictive personality. And so when I get into something, like I am just like all consumed within it. And so I thought maybe like if we could share maybe just one kind of addiction that maybe you've had to struggle with in your life. And then and perhaps if you've overcome it, maybe just share a little bit of about maybe how you've overcome that. And then we can just kind of go free flow and just talk about this more. Um, you know, being a pastor for 20 years, uh, meeting a lot of people over the years, uh, I think I'm I'm amazed to see that there's some people that actually don't believe they're addicted to certain things. Um, and then I see also the helplessness that people feel because of their addiction. And so I think we want to just kind of unpack this a little bit. And we're not expert psychologists, so we're not here to really diagnose things like that. But I think we, we want to just talk from our own perspective and not maybe at the same time, maybe give you a little encouragement today because maybe you're living a life where there is a substance that you just feel like you need to be taking every day um, you know, or an activity you need to be doing that you know is harmful for your soul, for your relationship with God, your relationship with other people, but yet you just still can't stop doing it. And so we want to talk about that. And so, so I want to just kind of throw it off to you because, you know, I mean, some people kind of know a little bit about my addictions and I'm going to share them. But Sua, I would love to know your addictions. Have you ever had an addiction? Like, is there any addiction you've struggled with? Because I think this would be like, we might have the highest uh, listenership on this episode if you can just share with us an addiction that you struggled with maybe in the past. Okay, but do you remember when you texted me about this topic and then quickly after you said, how about addiction? And then you said, I bet you don't have one. <laughs> I know you don't have one. That's what I'm saying. Like okay, we could but... promote this. This The title of this could be Sua's Addiction Confession. Okay, um, and you know how many people will listen to this? Yeah, That would be great. However, it would be like, can you? Well, okay. So you know how you just said that how many there's so many people who are deceived thinking that they don't yeah. have addictions, but then they do. Yeah. Um, well, can you tell me what mine is? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe John can tell you, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, know your addiction. I mean, I did. No, know, so like... I did. I said to John, I said, John, I think we're going to talk about addiction. So you think I have an addiction? And he was like, yeah, you pick your lip all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
no, but that doesn't cause harm to. I mean, I yeah, do, but that doesn't. I, but that doesn't cause harm to anyone. It, it does harm. It does like, cause to harm to me because sometimes my lip will bleed. And actually, the other day, I was picking my lip, and then. Um, you do pick your lips. No, so I was picking my, oh my lip. God, I but you know that. what's more terrible is yeah. John got so annoyed. He doesn't like it when I do it. So I was in the car and I was picking my lip and I and then he moved my arm like he grabbed my arm and he pushed it away. Yeah. And then it ended up ripping a piece of my lip off because I wasn't ready to tear it off. So I was bleeding the whole day. I was like, I had a bloody lip. He gave me a bloody lip. Um that's so what, more you know what I remember? I think that's more a compulsion. No, but remember when you remember when you came over and we did the live episode? Yes, like I was we did the, my lip. the person at my house. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out how to get the mics all working. You were picking your lip. Yeah, it's a thing that I do. I don't really think that's an addiction. Yeah. I think technically that's the not an addiction. Name for it is no. a compulsion. Like I can't stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Yep. But you know, I, I'm really thinking about it, right? Like. Hmm. I know. I, I really don't. I want to. I want to fulfill Something the desires that, yeah. of our listeners. I really want oh. to give them. That's why I did this. This research. is why I think I people want bad my, things to happen to you. you no, know, I asked my husband. <laughs> I said, "What do you think is my addiction?" Um, oh, Sua, Sua, Sua. It's okay. Sua, okay, Sua, why don't it's you okay. give me an example and maybe something you're will just resonate. like a, you're like a you're like just like a, you're like a female David Hosang. Okay, like you guys guys never struggle with well, addiction. I mean, we okay, all aspire so. to be any version of David Hosang that we can achieve. But how about Listen. you tell me what your addiction is, and then maybe I'll be like, oh, actually, oh, yes. where do I start? I, I, do don't, I don't know where. I, like, what do you I, mean? I've, I've had so much addiction. So I'm talking about like teenage years. Let me just start with my teenage years. Okay. Um, I would say, you know, lust was definitely one. Um, I would say masturbation. Oh my gosh. Like, so I'm going to be very raw here. Um, I didn't even know what masturbation was, but I had some friends in high school. One day they just said, um, so do you masturbate? And like, everyone was like, oh yeah, I masturbate. I masturbate. And I'm just like, what the hell is, I don't, I didn't, I don't even know what masturbation is. And then they'll, and then I was like, yeah, man, I masturbate. And I just lied because I, I didn't want to feel like the loser, you know? Again, like I was in a very like high pressure kind of a high school and, you know, kids made fun of you and stuff like that. So I was with my Italian friends and I was just like, yeah, man, I masturbate. And I had no idea what masturbation was. was. And so they like, I, they didn't teach me, but they, they explained to me eventually like what masturbation is and all that stuff. And when like, and this is, yeah, I don't want to get too graphic. So anyway, but yeah. But any of it, like it was, it was, it was like hmm. almost like a rites of passage for me. Like they're like, you know, like, like this, like a man at our age, like, like a, as a teenager, when we have, when we've hit puberty, like we have these desires and we have to let it out, like kind of a thing. And when they introduced me to that world, I'm telling you, Sue, it was an addiction. It was an addiction. It was an addiction, meaning I would say like regularly, um, you know, like every day, every day. But you know, how does this um, harm you? I mean, not even going into the oh, spiritual, right? Oh, but like lots of ways. Oh, are you kidding me? Lots of ways. Lots of ways. Um, let me just get started because I was a Christian, but I wasn't like a devout Christian, but I was a Christian. But like, because I have a very addictive personality, right? And, you know, back in those days, there was no internet. There's nothing, right? There's not. You'd have to like, like find, like you get magazines or anything. But I couldn't do any of that stuff because my my parents found that they kill me. So like, you know, it was just, it was just, it was just crazy. You know, you look at like, you know, like uh, swimsuit magazines or something like that. But uh, but it was very addictive. And how that that how that hurts me is that, number one, um, it hurts me in how I see women. Right. That's not good. Number two is that, you know, as a kid, of course, I didn't know, like, how it was going to hurt me in my relationship with God. But it did. Right. It was a big idol in my life.
But number three, I think eventually over time, um, like I thought to myself that when I get married, okay, I would be able to overcome this. Because right? once you get married, you're going to have sex mm. and all that stuff and it's going to be fine. But it wasn't the case. Mm. It wasn't the case. So, well, I'll say this. If you're single and you're listening and you have a struggle with pornography and masturbation and things like that, and this is not just my experience, but I've counseled people for the past 20 years with men. Um, it, it will never, it would never take care of itself once you get married. It actually will get worse. Um, you're gonna your addiction to masturbating and porn will be even worse when you get married. So that's why you got to deal with it now. Like you got to deal with if you're single, deal with it now. Help yourself to to get better because if you can't if you can't free yourself from it, um, it will be a deep deep addiction. And so I will just say that that's that's uh that's sort of the thing that I was addicted to, um, a lot growing up and even up until I would say, up until uh seminary. I would say up until seminary uh, when I went into ministry and then, you know, the whole soulmate. So what helped me was soulmate. I mean, honestly, that's why I believe in this stuff to, to no end. And when I was told, uh, you need a soulmate, you need somebody, soulmate, somebody that you shared the darkest areas to your humanity, a confession, a public, not a public, but a confession with somebody you trust, a mutual confession that changed the whole game for me, man, the whole game. And I would say like addiction, something has to be an addiction when it's something that you have to do every day. But if you're not doing it every day, then you're not addicted to it. But an addiction is something that you have to do every day. I don't know if I'd agree with that, though. Because I feel, oh, I, I mean... You don't think so? No, because... The, okay, the reason why I say that is because, you know, the whole, you know, the whole model of, like, al the AA, like, Alcoholics Anonymous, like, the whole idea is that you're a lifelong addict to something. And so that's why, mm -hmm. even if you're not drinking every day, the reason why they would never just drink in moderation is because their philosophy is that once you're an addict, you're an addict forever. So you just do not ever put yourself yes. in a position where you think you can gauge something in moderation. So for example, like, let's say I take a person who has a gambling addiction, um, a person right. I think could go a long time without gambling, but I think that person is still an addict if they put themselves in the position of being in Vegas or being in Atlantic City or something like that, and then they can't stop again. So I feel like I guess that's why I don't really think it's necessarily an everyday or even a consistent thing. I think it's more this trend where certain people um, become very addicted to certain things. And uh, I don't I think for me, the solution would be you just have to not put yourself ever in a position where that becomes accessible to you, like flee the thing. You know what I'm saying? Well, sometimes you can't help it. I'm, I'm serious. Sometimes you just can't help it. No, right. But that's why I'm saying I don't think it has to be necessarily a daily thing because I know people who would consider themselves gambling addicts or alcoholics well, who who could go very long periods without doing it. But they know as soon as they're in the realm of that being accessible to them, they mm -hmm. can't they can't overcome the temptation mm -hmm. and they will binge again. You know, that's really good. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have a problem with that a little bit just because I feel that. If you're really addicted to something, it's got to be something you're doing regularly throughout like throughout the week. It can't just be something where you can just shut it off and then you just I mean, that that's more sounds more like binging like at times. But when you're an addict, you got to it's like there is no such thing as a drug dealer. I'm not a drug addict saying, oh, yeah, no, I mean, I'll do it once every six months. Drug addicts do it every day. And that's sort of like it's a strong like, like a definition, a strong physical or psychological need or urge to do something. Um, or use something like regularly in your life. And so, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know I guess it's more like I understand. I understand yeah, what I think you're it's saying. The idea about that. of maybe 
a recovering. So I guess, um, I mean, this is yeah, a, this is very specific. This okay. is very specific to the AA model. The reason why somebody mm. who and I'm not necessarily like supporting the AA model or not supporting it. I'm just saying the way they view it's it a great is, model, by the way. So when you see somebody who says they're part of AA, they will never ever have another drink. They won't be like, oh, I used oh, to absolutely alcohol, but now I am absolutely. not. And therefore I can just yep. have a glass of wine at dinner because they know it's a spiral. And so it's this idea no. that they are an addict for the rest of their lives. And so I guess it's more like yep. semantics at that point. You know, I guess well, at, th- at some point, I'm sure they were drinking every single day. You know, so maybe we're well, talking about um, I'm talking about two the different pre, states pre, of addiction. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about the 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 stage where you are addicted yeah, and you're not. Yeah. Nobody knows about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what makes AA so successful is sponsors. Mm. And what's a sponsor? It's a soulmate. That's really what it is. You cannot in AA, you cannot walk out of there without a sponsor because you have this person to keep you fully accountable. And what I love about AA is that your sponsor will be so ruthlessly honest with you so that you don't keep doing it, you know? And so that's that. And and I agree because they're, they're addicts, so they can't go. If they try to flirt with that again, they'll fall right back into their addiction. So so what's another, absolutely. What's another addiction? Because that's like a very, um, yeah. So I think that's something one. that everyone struggles with, especially men and women too, as well. But I just think you need, you need accountability to help you through that, which will be really helpful. The other thing is for me is workaholism, I would say. And that was a really, um, that was a major one in my life, especially planning Metro for the first five years and um, just never resting. And the problem with workaholism is that uh, you, anyone who struggles with taking a Sabbath, uh, taking a one day of rest, um, usually struggles with uh, grandiosity. And workaholism is really a byproduct of our struggling with really the sin of grandiosity, thinking that we just got to keep doing, we got to build, 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 build. And so, so I think for me, that was probably my other addiction was just this idea of grandiosity. And, uh, and so just working and never resting. And that's, 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 you know, basically you're creating the violent act to your soul. And that was a huge one for me because I was, I was, I had no boundaries and I just kept working and working and working. And, um, you know, I'm at this conference and one of the reminders with Ruth Haley Barton is how important a Sabbath is. And, um, and like, um, I forget what this author said, but they said that, uh, she quoted an author saying that if you don't take a Sabbath, God will figure out a way to get you, uh, to get you to rest, whether it be an illness, um, whether it be an accident, whether it be a disease. And I, I thought it was pretty pretty right in your face, but it's just like you, you got to rest, you got to rest. And so for me, I would say workaholism was work, workaholism was probably another one that really calls me uh, into that. I would say another one uh, through that uh, for me was. Uh, and I don't know if this is an addiction, but I really struggle with a lot of anger. Anger was a real big one too for me. And, uh, cause I come from a very angry family. And so I think anger was a real big part of my addiction, um, in my life. And anger is always deeply rooted in shame. So that was another one. And, um, want me to keep going on, Suwa? No, I mean, I think, um, I, I think the word addiction is overlapping with like some other things. So for example, like, addiction and then also like i think it kind of overlaps with the episode we did with like maybe vices um because some of these are like character traits right like um i will say as somebody who i'm still thinking of like 
something that I could have been addicted to. I can't think of anything. Um, however, I will tell you, I will tell you, I will tell you something about why that is meaningful is um, I have been in close proximity in relationships with people who have addictive personalities. And because mm-hmm. I am somebody who does not really kind of struggle with addict addictions or addictive yeah. traits, it's it was very, very difficult for me for a very long time to empathize with people who were getting addicted to things. Like I just couldn't understand. So from the very basics of somebody telling me, oh, I know I shouldn't be eating this, but like I can't stop. I just, yeah. I'm like, just stop. Like, I literally couldn't understand. I'm like, just put your spoon down and stop eating it. Or this one person would be like, oh, I'm diabetic and I know I'm not supposed to eat sugar, but I can't stop. Just stop. Like, I don't understand why this is so difficult. Just stop eating sugar. It's hard. So it's okay, hard. So, Food right, is so, so delicious. Okay, so listen. Or people, okay, or I'm a, I'm a social worker, right? Like, I was trained in being a social worker. When I would hear about people who could not stop using substances, even though it was literally destroying every single precious relationship in their lives and putting their mm. own lives in danger. Yeah. I could not understand. That's addiction. Yeah. Like, I literally was like, why can't you just stop? Um, and I think for a long time, there was this idea in my mind that it must be, it, it must be just like a moral failure. Like it's just like mm. an mm-hmm. inability to be mm-hmm. decent like it's a choice like this person is choosing yeah. to be like this which is why i think my attitude towards it for a very long time was extremely judgmental because mm. i i was like what you just have to stop like you just have to just stop doing it it's not that difficult just stop um because that's how because you know it's you know it's that that whole quote of like you know, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, right? And so every time we look at someone or the way they behave or we make a judgment call on it, it's based on how we perceive the world or how we experience the world. So for a very long time, I couldn't understand it, which is why I think maybe certain people in my life did things that were addictive or played lived into their addiction and it hurt me personally. I thought it was like a personal attack on me because I felt like, if you cared about a relationship, you should be able to stop doing this. Like, and if you can't, it's because you don't care enough about me. Like, I think it became a lot of that narrative. Mm, I think mm. as I went through my graduate school program, but especially just living life, I have come mm. to a place where I realize um, we are all wired so differently, not, yeah. not only biologically, although the biology is actually a big component because recently I was listening to a podcast about opiate addiction and how the difference between why someone can be prescribed opiates after a back surgery or after a whatever injury and then stop versus can't stop and spirals into this very, very destructive cycle. A lot of it comes down to brain chemistry. Well, exactly. Yes. It's a brain disorder. Yes. Yes. So addiction is a brain disorder. So yep. the, there is there are actual yep. patterns of brain chemistry yep. that differ from people yes. to people. Yes. And that actually was mind-blowing to me when I just heard the science behind it because it autom- it immediately takes away the component of I'm just yep. better and this person is just worse than me and that's why they can't do yep. it, right? It equalizes yep. like, no, actually, there's actual differences biologically between certain people that can mm. predict the outcome of a person become addicted to something or not. But also there's also a lot of psychological social things that led up to this point, right? Which I know you're going to hit on, right? Like there are certain privileges that I was given in my life where it set me up to a, in a place 
of emotional health where I did not have to feed certain lacks or certain gaps by other, by other means. And so I know you're going to unpack that. Well, I mean, for me, that was really the, the heart of where all my addictions came from was I was so emotionally unhealthy. And, you know, came coming from a, a physically abusive home. As you speak, as you're eating your peanut. <laughs> right now. I know I got. So in my hotel room, I have the big I bought this for my house. Oh, it's not peanut M&Ms. It's mixed nuts. No, this is unsalted mixed nuts. That from, looks healthy. From Costco's. Okay. Oh, no, no. But I but I have been eating this too on the side. So I'm, I'm so as we talk about food addiction, I am. I'm. This is my lunch. I'm doing this on lunch. So I don't have any lunch. This is my lunch. So I'm just eating. Oh, look as, at the uh, sacrifice he makes talking. for our listeners. No, but. Honestly, what addiction is, is a lot of times it, it comes from unhealed wounds. And uh, because we're so emotionally wounded and broken, we're trying to find an outlet. And I think for, for you, Sue, it was probably hard because you, you didn't have any wounds that needed healing. And so for you, it was probably easier for you to just say, no, I mean, if this is not good for me, I'm not going to do it. But for somebody who's really struggling mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because they have been abused, what, whether it be physically, emotionally, um, sexually, whatever it might be. Um, there's just constantly this this feeling that we're so inadequate and we're just hurting and kind of struggling through life because these are wounds that have never been healed. And I think the best way in how we can really experience true healing, I mean, soulmates are, are huge. They really are. And they help tremendously. But honestly, at the end of the day, you really need therapy. You need therapy to help you uh, to to heal, to heal from this and to heal from the wounds and I think for me, when I started therapy, that was really the game changer because I've always had a soulmate. And, uh, you know, since seminary, I've always had a soulmate. And there, and trust me, it helped because it, it was like a regular occurrence to like, you know, it would happen from time to time, but not regularly anymore. But when it was really healed was when I went into therapy and I got healed and I just thought, wow, like this is a game changer. And just naturally, these addictive patterns just slowly subsided in my life. And that was the game changer. And so you actually do need like some healing, emotional healing. And I don't want to undermine that, especially if you're a guy. Because sometimes men really try to undermine and like, no, we don't need that. That's not right. That's fine. But no, if you've been through any type of trauma in the past and you've never felt like you've sought healing from it, that's what will happen. You will become addicted to things because you're trying to deal with those unhealed wounds. And the way we deal with it with unhealed wounds is never proactive. It's usually through addiction. And so for me, that's kind of like my addictive personality. And when I started to get healthier emotionally, it just changed everything for me. And um, and I no longer feel bound by these things or these sins, quote unquote, because I mean, that's really what they are, right? I no longer felt bound by these sins that used to control my life. And I felt like I didn't have a, like I didn't have a choice. I just did it. And now I know oh, I have a choice. I could either say yes or no to it, you know, and, I, and most of the times I say no, right? So... But I think that emotionally, like healing from that and healing from your wound and your trauma, that's a process and that's that's huge. You know, so anyway, so that's 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 uh that's something that I would encourage our audience to really think about pursuing. And if it's been a while, um, I think it is important for you to see a counselor, especially I'm shocked to see that people will share with me all these deep things that they've gone through, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever it might be, and yet they've never gone to counseling. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just like, I just, I don't know how you can heal from that. Um, Cause God does heal. And I'm not saying that God can't without a counselor, but there's also stuff that you need to like patterns of behavior that you need to uncover with your counselor. That's going to be very helpful. 
And so one of the things that we try to do in the beginning is in our church is that we do have a workshop, an eight-week workshop called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we really help you kind of uncover some of that stuff. And that'll be key, you know, so, uh, you know, you can pick up a book uh, by Pete Scozero. That would be very helpful. But really going, finding a good counselor, and sometimes you're not going to find the, the right one right away, but you're going to need some time. You're actually going to need some time to find the right counselor. But when you do, it's it's really, it's amazing the, the, the what you'll get from a counselor to help you process your past and will really help you to, for greater self-discovery so that you don't have to feel bound by some of these things that are kind of addictive for you, but that you now you have a choice. So that's kind of like what I'll say about it, but that's what's been a game changer for me for my addictions is just becoming more emotionally healthy and healing from my past rather than trying to compensate for it. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, I agree completely. I think that, um, I think that as Christians and I, as or you know i don't even i feel very like we are now saying christians because i recently listened to an interview where they were talking about how the idea of being a christian has become so watered down that nobody even really understands what it even means anymore and when they yeah. did this whole survey they found that people who identify in terms of the way the their daily practices and the way they view jesus mm. america is only 4% christian um, wow. Christian disciples are. I think that 4%. is so accurate. Um, and wait, I, wait, wait, and wait. How did you hear about this? I, I'll send you the link of the interview. I love it. So they're saying that America is probably four percent. Yes, Christians. And the reason Ooh. why this was so interesting was because they say that um, Christian has become almost like the way you just identify as a cultural group. Yeah, yeah. But becoming a Christian, literally, it's like, you know, the Bonhoeffer book, right? Like there's a cost to the discipleship, mm -hmm. right? There's a cost to becoming a Christ disciple and nobody wants, nobody is actually a disciple when they say they're Christian, only 4%. And the reason why I bring this up is because um, he was saying something very interesting about how quote unquote Christians go to church. All of these people go to church on Sunday and they listen to the sermons about how life with Jesus should be, how it should give yeah. you this peace, how it should give you this joy, how it should make you have deeper relationships, how it should make you have caring for, you know, the oppressed and the poor. And then they they feel this disconnect because they're like, but that's not how I feel. That's mm. not what I care about. So what is wrong with me? You know, you go to church and the pastors are preaching about how you should be able to recover from your addictions. You should be able to be set free from all your yeah. darkness. And then there's they go back home and they're like, my life is still in darkness. My, my yeah. life is still yeah. run over by these addictions. And what is wrong with me? And yeah. then they fall into this cycle of shame where they're like, yeah. what am I not doing right? Like, yeah. I'm not good yeah. enough to even be a Christian. Yeah. And then it just yeah. keeps going back. They do it for a little bit and they fall right back. And then they're like, what is wrong with me? God hates me. I've disappointed Jesus again. And it's this endless cycle. Stop it, Sua. You're, you're bringing up my teenage years as a Christian and college years as a Christian. And Stop guilt, it. It's, right? There's it's so much trauma. guilt and there's so much shame because you yeah. feel like you're not even doing the Christian life right. Oh, yeah. And, correctly. and yeah. the, in this interview, he was saying it's because we're not actually living as Christ's disciples. We're just mm. identifying as this broader group called mm. Christian, but our lives are actually not showing any surrender yeah. to what Jesus yeah. is calling yeah. us to do. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, Therapy is amazing. I'm a social worker. So obviously, like, I'm super into therapy. But I think as Christians, we do have a different beginning point, which is that mm -hmm. from, you know, again, therapy can work, even for secular reasons, therapy can has been shown to work. But for Christians, we can fundamentally start at a place 
where we can say we are no longer enslaved by the things that enslaved us I before, love it. right? Like I we have it. literally That's a right. new king. Like we That's have right. been saved and rescued and paid for, and we no longer have to carry the baggage of the slave. Yep. And so now you start from that point, which I think is all of the difference, right? Like yeah. I'll give you a very yeah. random example, and I can't go into too much specifics because I don't want to name any names, but there was a person <laughs> I was struggling with, and I this person okay. is like, there's a person that is in my life that I was really, really struggling with. Now I'm going to get emails from people being like, is that me? Peter on. <laughs> you, you think, no, it's not you. <laughs> no, okay, there's okay. a person that I like is in my sphere that I just was getting so frustrated with. Like I didn't okay. want to see them at functions. Like I didn't want to mm. deal with them, but I had to because of the way the person's role is in my life. I had to. I'm literally going to get okay. so many emails from people thinking it's them. Um, but I just couldn't. And then I was... I would fall into the cycle of like, if I really love Jesus, I should be able to love this person. Like, why am I getting so annoyed at this person? What was it about this um, person where you kind of were like, I don't want to be around? There's a lot of things. This person okay, makes very okay. bad decisions in life. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, I just want to say it's not my brother because he might be listening to this and think it's, it's <laughs> I not you. Thought it was your brother. It's not you. <laughs> I thought it was not you. Um, although you too, but no, it's not you. This is not about him. This is another person. And they just keep making okay. bad decisions. Um, just their physical presence was stressing me out. Seeing gotcha. them was stressing me out. Wow. Um, and then I would come home and I would be like, what's wrong with me? Like, I thought mm. I'm a Christian person. Like, what is, mm. why can't I find it in my heart to love them? Like, and then I would justify in my logic all the reasons why I should love this person because of this, because of this, because of this. But I would see them and then I would fall short again and I would feel really guilty again and be like, I'm not mm. growing. Like, I'm not a spiritually mature person. Like, mm. what is wrong with me? And then it hit me one day holy crap, I'm doing it out of my own will again. Like, this yeah. is exactly what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. I can't, I was like looking up yeah. ways how to love unlovable people, like how to not get stressed out. And I was trying to do action one, two, and three, and I could not do it because in my heart, I still felt, the res felt like the resentment and the burden. So finally, I remember one night I was complaining to John about it. And then it hit me. I'm trying to do this out of my own will. Like I'm trying yeah. to use self-help and try to do this. So I literally prayed and i said jesus i cannot do this like yeah. i have tried for yeah. months and it's only getting me yeah. more shame and guilt because i cannot do this yeah the so holy spirit you need to do something in my heart because i cannot do it and mm. then i went to bed and then the next day i know this is going to sound really really hokey but i really since then it's been a few weeks i have not felt that burden of like resentment and Amen. anger and i think once again I'm not saying don't go look at the self-help, don't go look at the therapy sessions, but I think we have to fundamentally start at a place where we know only God has the power to break your yoke to those things so that you can start afresh, yeah. you know? And I yeah. think that's the difference that Christian disciples have versus the world. Yeah. And I agree with that. And only God can really help you through it all. I think what helps with Christian counseling or counseling in general, it just helps you to learn about your past. And mm -hmm. and basically all they're doing is helping you because in the what, what happens with addiction is that you don't have a choice because because you don't really know like what what's happening like you, you don't know what you're doing um because you're not fully understanding your dysfunctions and some of the emotional wounds that you sustain but once you know like once you know now you have a choice okay am I going to keep doing this or not and I think the power of a choice is really important and counseling helps with that you know but understanding that no matter what like Christians can go into counseling knowing that we have a God who sent his son to die for us on the cross, mm -hmm. resurrect from the dead, who's conquered sin. Yep. No darkness will overcome us. Yep. 
And going with that understanding, counseling could be tremendously helpful. Yes. Um, it, because it's 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 the synergy that comes together, and just learning about you know family sin patterns, learning about different things, you you have a choice you know to make, and um, and and I think that's what counseling helps. It really, I think the counseling really what it does is that it helps you to become more of a student of your life, and it helps you to grow in self awareness. That's really it. And you know uh, you need a counselor to help you with that. You know, you need somebody who's professionally trained to help you to grow in self-awareness. Because once you grow in self-awareness, then you can begin to start saying, can I do this? Like, this is a choice or not. When you're when you're addicted to something, you don't have a choice. You don't, you because you, you can't even like get yourself out of there. You're just in the heat of the addiction and you just feel like you got to do this no matter what. And so I think that's the that's the main difference. And so um, it's very helpful. But but the beginning point for us as Christians is, of course, Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of help. But I think the sad thing about this, Sua, is that you know, we all are addicted to something at some levels, but I think that we're not um, uh, we're not addressing the depth of our addictions. And mm -hmm. I think for a lot of Christians, if I'm just going to be honest, they hide it and they don't expose it. They don't share it. They're not honest about it. And it's just it's just kind of they kind of learn to just kind of manage it and go on living their life. And if, unfortunately, it's like that with pastors, you know, because um, I get an opportunity to connect with a lot of different pastors as well. But pastors are deeply addicted to stuff like lust and different things like that. But they're just not they're not really open to really talking and discussing about it. And then all of a sudden, what happens? You hear it on the news. Right. It's like you see them and then they look fine on stage, but yet their soul is rotting inside. And because it's decaying. Then it also it just kind of comes out and you hear these scandals. And, you know, I think our first episode, we talked about stuff yeah. like that with Ravi Zacharias and Bill Hybels and different things like that. Like, I mean, just, they look like brilliant, holy men. And, but inside there was something that was rotting inside and they were never able to deal with that and address it. And I think that was the big problem with it. So anyway, yeah, but great. Is it really, really good thoughts there? Anything else you have, Sua? Um, I guess I'm thinking about addictions and, you know, some of them are a lot more benign seeming. I mean, like, for example, like I will eat a couple of, pieces of chocolate if I'm sad and I'm not trying to like make fun about it but I, I think that you can see if you really want to kind of think about addictions and what you know that looks like mm -hmm. I think a good way to see is like what do you do when you're really upset like when you're like really unhappy and yeah. you have to escape exactly. like what is it that yep. you go to yep. right yep. and I think for a lot of us it's like food because it's yep. readily accessible it doesn't cost that much to buy like you know like a burger or whatever it is that like feeds your addiction um but yeah. I have seen this pattern where the danger comes like so yes I think everyone has addictions I think even for me um there are certain things that I do when I'm feeling, when I'm having like a crap day or like when yeah. I'm really, really yeah. upset, like I will usually go yeah. eat something. Like I'll go eat some French fries. I'll go eat some Chick-fil-A fries and dip it in the Chick-fil-A sauce. Like, because yeah. it gives me immediate joy. Like it gives me pleasure. Yeah. Right. Um, but I guess that's a good way to think about, you know, what are the things that give you comfort when you're upset or sad or unhappy and mm. how far do you go with these things? I think is like the yeah. real question, you know. For me, it's dark chocolate and That's any not sugar. That's bad, though. Oh no, no, no! I'm just saying, like, like wait. So, no, do you not have any I addictions would... anymore? Sorry, like this is um because these are all like kind of past tense, right? And so, yeah, I I would say honestly, like you know, um, right now, yeah, I don't think I have any addictions, but I am. 
No, no, I don't be there because I'm not doing that. I, mean, I was like tennis might be an addiction these days, but um, but uh, but yeah, but no, but 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 I do have an addictive personality. I would say the one that I keep flirting with time and time again is um, work overworking mm. myself, and I have to be very careful with that, and uh, and I have to do a better job at like making sure I observe my Sabbath, and I'm not doing anything on my Sabbath, um, and just kind of having myself for that. It's going to be yeah. a really terrible joke, but I will not do it. I'll tell you after. <laughs> really? No. Um, but, it's, it's yeah, but I would, say, our, yeah. I would say in terms of like lust, um, eating, you know, stuff like that, my anger, God's really healed me from that. And, uh, you know, through therapy, through my soulmates and just through him. And I just, you know, like if you're not going to, here's the thing, this is why even pastors get in trouble. But if you're not going to make time and space for God to minister to you, um, it's really hard to get over any type of addiction. And so like if you're always on the go and you're busy and you're constantly like just, you know, you know, you got to work on sermons and you got to do this, this, this and that. And you don't sort of create a strategy of how do you how do you create a strategy? We call it rule of life. But how do you create a strategy where you allow God to really minister to you? Because God loves to minister to his people. But we got to put ourselves in the right position to do that. Right. And so kind of figuring that stuff out. So I think for me, it's like embracing a level of contemplative lifestyle is very important for me to have some time of silence. So for me, like 30 minutes a day, I'm silent and I'm with God and I'm in silence. And that's a very important thing for me, you know, to do is just to kind of be in a place of silence. And I try my best now about four times a year, go away on a silent retreat by myself for about 36 to 48 hours is kind of like my rhythm. Um, that's important for me. And then, you know, um, just every day, just doing that silence and then uh, doing a Sabbath is really important. And then on a Friday, I try from nine to 12 is my silence and solitude. I try to do like three hours of silence once a week. Um, you know, that's not a part of my Sabbath. And like, to me, like, if I'm doing that really well, for the most times, I'm in a really good place. Because God's speaking to me, I'm, I'm, I'm not so on the go. And my mind is not racing and I'm really just able to kind of be present with God and God will minister to you when you can be present with him. But when you're so busy and you got other things going on, it's really hard for him to do that. And so for me, that really helps. And so I just want to encourage you who are listening, like, you know, this may not be an Ohio kind of a thing, but if you're listening from like Jersey or like anywhere in the Northeast or maybe even outside in the West Coast, it's really important that you slow down, that you really slow down your life. And you learn to have margins because God often speaks to us and ministers to us like in the margins of our life. And we can't, if we, if we like, you know, um, keep consuming ourselves with a, like an overburdened schedule and we have no margins in life because we're just so we're overworked, God's not going to speak to us. Not that he doesn't want to, but we're just not letting him. So I think that's the big part. So you got to just really invite God and create a space for him to really minister to you. And that's, that's going to be critically important. So anyway, yeah. Yep. Anything else before we close Sua? No, I think you've hit it all. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts, any questions to this, and I'd love to know if you have had some kind of addiction and like really, maybe it's helped you. And maybe we haven't talked about that on this episode. We'd love to hear from you because I think that can be something that we can talk about for future episodes. Feel free to email us or just, you know, comment on our social media link. Um, at weekpastor.org you can get a, you can get us on our website or you know you find us on our social media page uh, but we would love to hear from you and also we'd love it if you can keep plugging us share with your friends let them know about our podcast and we just want to thank you so much for joining us tune in next week for a new episode take care bye